<laughs> okay. All right. Welcome back to the Seek One Podcast. We are in South Texas right now and with Levi Morgan. He probably needs no introduction, but um, give a quick intro for yourself. Oh, gosh. I don't like intro on myself, but I'll try. I um, Mediocre archer. Mediocre archer. I've lost a lot of tournaments. Won a lot as well. Won, won a few. <laughs> yeah. I uh, love to bow hunt. Yeah. I mean, kind of do the same thing. Just shoot my bow everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's being modest. He's, uh, I mean, would arguably one of argu- the best archer in the world. The most, I would, I would call him the most decorated archer in the world. Okay. I feel like that's a very fair statement. Mm-hmm. We're also here with Derek Nelson, which you are the marketing director for no, Matthews or? That would, uh, we don't actually have a marketing director, but um, I run brand and creative, brand and creative manager at Matthews. Right. Okay. So that's who we've got today. And we are in South Texas. Just got done with my first experience down here. And uh, that's kind of the gist of the podcast today. I, may, I might have a few questions for you and really open forum podcast here. I don't, I don't really have any set agenda, but uh, obviously the main topic of conversation is going to be South Texas Golden Triangle. Yep. Um, I have a hard cut, cut off at some point because I've got to make a flight. So <clears throat> can't miss that. But uh, yeah, so we're in South Texas. First time down here. Um, do you want to give sort of a background of, you don't have to say any like names or anything, but just like an overall like description of the place we're at uh yeah i mean i've been coming here for i think five years now and like i've hunted texas for a long time and, and so texas is different than anywhere else in the country really besides some parts of oklahoma i guess that i've whitetail hunted um but then even on top of that i'd heard about the golden triangle which is like a three county area in south texas um, and I'm not sure what the other counties are. This is Webb County, which is one of those counties. Um, I'd heard about it, but being a whitetail guy my whole pretty much life about how it grows just giant deer down here. And so we're like in the heart of that. Um, but even on top of that, I had really never understood cause deer management started in Texas, like quality deer management, like they're leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the country and always have been in, in deer well, I, management. I always remember like the Tecamati, mm-hmm. you know, whitetail. So that's from down here, right? Yes. Like the brush country. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's seeing all that stuff on TV. Like, and then also, I mean, be, to be honest, like the Charles Beatty podcast, like the Prince of Poetry. Have you heard that one, Derek? I haven't. No, I'm not going to by any means encourage what this guy did. Like, he, like what he did was horribly wrong. <laughs> But he is an amazing storyteller, and it's probably one of the most interesting podcasts I've ever heard. And it's basically this like massive, you know, he tells this whole story, but he's like a notorious poacher in South Texas, in Texas. And like, yeah, and like his descriptive stories of just like getting into the brush and rattling and like killing three or four huge bucks like on every trip. Yeah, like one sixty pluses. Like, and I think most people probably don't believe his stories. But if they were to come here and see what lives here, it makes it much more believable. It makes sense oh, to yeah. me now. Yeah. But like from from my outside perspective looking in, and Derek, this was also your far, first time down here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just had no idea what to expect. Yeah. It, but it's I'm kind of basing off of like, you know, what I heard from that podcast, what I'd seen on TV, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I think even that like couldn't fully prepare me for how 
ridiculous this yeah. place is. Well, it definitely changed my view. I remember five years ago because you have this, um, like what we see in the Midwest and kind of where we hunt, it's just this kind of a, the deer all are like framed, pretty similar. Like this, I guess that genetically they kind of look similar. Mm-hmm. And then like I would see these videos or pictures of these bucks in South Texas and I'm like, that's a pin raised deer. That's a pin raised deer. That, But then you come down here and you see that it just grows some some like there's a lot of high fence ranches down here in pens but the dirt in these counties and that like this where we're at it's all native deer no genetic modification no pen raised deer these deer can leave anytime they want it's a low low fence low fence um like they get run over on the highway yeah you know that's about the only time they lose them here. and it's but, ballpark seven eight thousand acres seven eight thousand acres and uh it looks like some of these deer are some of the freakiest looking, wildest looking animals that before I would have looked at a picture of and said, that's a high fence, that's a pen raised deer. You right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had to kind of like really embrace the fact that just this Golden Triangle area just grows giant white-tailed deer. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a dirt. And obviously the nutrition program here and how they feed and supplement is unbelievable. Yeah, right. My, I mean, my only comparison was, you know, most of my hunting has been Southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I went to Kansas for the first time for the last two seasons, like, you know, I'm looking at, at 700, six, 700 acres of just wide open CRP. And I'm like, well, there's a big buck. There's a big buck. There's a big buck mm-hmm. as I'm through a spotting scope. And it's just like, it blew my mind the amount of bucks that were mm. using an area like that. And I'm just like, man, like if you took this and, and put it back in the Southeast, like Georgia or somewhere like that, I'm like, you wouldn't see a fraction of this. So okay. I was just like, it blew my mind how many, you know, notable, like sizable bucks would use an area or a farm in Kansas. And it's like, now that you've, now that I've seen, the texas form of that it's like on a whole nother, another level even yeah. even way past surpassing kansas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of mature bucks that'll that'll use the same area yeah yeah right and you take <clears throat> you know even the deer that you would be seeing in the midwest and you're like oh that's a good deer oh that's a good deer and be like i saw i had a crazy day and saw all these deer and you come down here and that's like oh it's a casual morning yeah you know yeah and it's wild. Yeah, it's nuts. For me, it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, this is obviously like super out of the norm, really, for all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we all have our our styles. It's kind of more like how we grew up hunting, right? But I could see how someone who hasn't experienced this would kind of look at it and just like have certain you know connotations or things like that. And for me personally, like I just you know I didn't have a plan to come down here. Mm-hmm. You you called me and you were like, hey. You want to come? I'm like, dude, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? You're like, show up, okay. <laughs> and for me, I was like, to experience that, even if this is, even if this is the only time I ever get to come down here. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity just to like experience it, and so that like now for the rest of my life, I can be like, yeah, I, I hunted South Texas, like, and tell the stories and all that stuff, like yeah. just to have experienced this side of the whitetail world is something i'll you know take with me forever it'll spoil you spoil you real quick yeah 
<laughs> going back home. That's I'm why like, I end the year down here. Normally, right. You yeah. know? <laughs> because it is so different. Because my, you know, I'm like hanging hunt, big woods, saddles, you know, like may not, may get skunked, may like go several, like lots of sits this year. I won't see a deer. And then, and I tell everybody like coming here is like as far from that as you could possibly get. And it's not my favorite way to hunt. But it is so impressive and so different. I enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know. And like, it is nice every once in a while to just be like, I'm going to go see some really big deer today. Yeah, you know, and get to hunt like a seven, eight, nine year old whitetail that you know is that old. And and in Texas, in this brush country, there's not a whole lot of options to hunt these deer. I think what you guys did is about as out of the box mm-hmm. as you can get here, you know. And that's hiding in the mesquite bushes. I don't. I I think that uh, they were pretty not like they were they were just kind of like i think in their head when i proposed what i was thinking was they yeah. were like yeah that's that's stupid yeah right, well i think work. it's so <laughs> <laughs> who they is were like, this kid yeah, who, who, levi who did you bring down here uh well i just think they have it their way you know and uh they do it their way and and you can kill big deer that way. It is hard to to sometimes especially filming it you know but it's um there's just Texas is different. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. well, I like, I like throwing deer curveballs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so <clears throat> to kind of give a context, like most of the places that we were hunting, they're, they have brushed in blinds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, what y'all saw, but like these deer were watching those blinds like hawks. Oh, they know mm-hmm. they're there. Like yeah. they know yeah. they're there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had two mornings where this deer that we call Ace came in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both times he took this back trail on his way out, hit a scrape on the corner. And so the, the wind was bad for that blind and that sit. But like at that point, I'm like, man, I, there's other places that they were telling me, Hey, we can, we can go there. There's two, a couple shoot, two, three shooters that have been showing and stuff like that. And I'm like, but man, that this ace deer, like I've kind of got a story with him and I'm kind of like, I, I like winning the game. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I was like, the, the wind was bad for that blind, which I think, they most would have been like, it's not an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so then I, I proposed to just tuck in the mesquite brush. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I think, uh, I think they were like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, go ahead. Kid. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You'll learn. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, but it actually worked and it was like a lot of luck involved for sure. Just everything was like perfect. We didn't even kill a deer ace. We killed another deer called blackface. It's just like, I mean, really, probably one of the darkest, like, fur deer yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And you guys seen him at like a like a mile away, yeah, at a, a different, different spot, totally different spot. And that's what's this time of year too down here. Like, we're getting into the rut. Like, um, the next like in ten days, it's going to be pretty full on here. Yeah, uh, up until about Christmas. And so these deer are starting to throw us curveballs too, where they've been so regular at one spot, and now like the other day, uh, Boomer. Mm-hmm. was a deer you were going to be hunting shows up all the way where i was at and i didn't kill him because i didn't know what deer it was you know and that's another thing down here is like there's so many mature deer that are shooters but you go to a spot that's like all right these are like one or two bucks that are in this area and you're hunting them but then if one shows up from somewhere else you like i was like i'm not shooting this deer i don't know who it is and their management program mm-hmm. so strict anywhere else in the world Mm-hmm. I that's lazy yeah, because no I know it's six or seven or plus, mm-hmm. but I'm like I don't know, right? I don't want to make a mistake, 
Mm-hmm. I know? can't imagine hunting this place when the rut's wide open. Oh, first, yeah. First off, like in the blinds you're sitting in, you have like four feet worth of shooting lane right, out yeah. of those things. One little window open, one little hole. It's like, hope they're there <laughs> yeah. and hope that there aren't six other deer in front or behind them. With yeah. the rut, it's like you have that one buck that you're trying to kill and he's zigzagging across chasing yeah, does in front of him. You have two seconds at a time that he yeah. might cross. It's uh, not easy bow hunting here because of that too. You know, you can't get like a uh, elevation on them. In a tree. There's no trees. There's no trees around. Uh-uh. I did that see, was the I, first question I asked. I was like, do I need yeah. to bring a saddle or a stand or something? You're like, no. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> brush country, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's nasty, thick briars, and that's literally for miles. Mm-hmm. And you would think that nothing could survive in there. And then all of a sudden, just giants come walking out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what that, that's what's crazy to me. It's like, you know, it's so thick. Everything here wants to stab you. Yeah. And these deer are just frolicking through it like it's nothing. I mean, we... When we tucked into that brush this morning, like even when we got back to the house, I was like, I was like, ow. I was like, damn it. I keep getting stabbed. And I was like, what the heck's going on? So I like had to pull my pants down. I had two cactus barbs that were stuck into my quad. Yeah. yeah. And I was like plucking them out. And it's like, we were only in there for, you know, not like a 30 minutes this morning or an hour this morning or whatever. And it's like these deer yeah. live their lives and in this stuff. Like we're 20 miles from the border and they get illegals through here every day almost. Yeah. Like imagine the stickers and cactuses that they. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just miserable. Oh like, yeah, I can imagine. I can't. That that kind of. Uh, I think it's easy to like, and and not to get sidetracked too sidetracked, but like I think it's easy to look at like illegals and almost like dehumanize them in right, a way yeah. where it's like, oh, they're illegal immigrants, get them out. Which, you know, we need to have a secure border, like obviously, and I'm not going to get political, but yeah. most of us probably stand on the same page with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is still sad to see like the book bags oh, and yeah. the shirts and like all the stuff. And like, I was just kind of, it just kind of sunk into me a little bit. I was like, man, we are so lucky to live in America mm-hmm. because it's like, I couldn't imagine being born in a country where it's like, you're willing to die to leave that, to flee right. that country. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, they were telling us stories about, you know, guys they'd caught out here that, yeah, were walking in the brush like barefooted out here, and they were just saying like that basically the whole, you know, they're walking on their feet are raw at that yeah. point, like mm-hmm. the skin's gone, and like I cannot imagine going through this brush country with no shoes, raw feet, mm-hmm. and just like it. I mean, that has to be all like unbearable. But. Yeah, and like did they, like how bad has it? Does it have to be where they live to, to go that. through that at a chance mm-hmm. of freedom and a better life? Yeah. Not even a guarantee. Yeah. With you know, nothing. Right. Yeah. It definitely the- puts it in perspective when you see how rough this is. It's not like they're walking on a sidewalk Mm-mm. with sneakers. You know, it's like, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And like he said, like Jake was like, most of them, when we find them, ask to be turned into the border patrol because they they just had enough they're ready to be yeah yeah Yeah. i mean think about you know you've got different places in the midwest and you'd be like man it was so thick in there and you walk through a briar patch and you're like man that's terrible i'm never going into that again that is every that's every single area (laughs) in this place that's every square inch of this place every square inch yeah and it's like uh i mean we're 30 miles from the border 22 miles i think is what he said from the border yeah. and it's like this you know it's texas is huge it's just mm-hmm. like the we're this is a speck 
mm-hmm. on the map compared to like all the places where you know this crossing is happening it's like for them to see the amount of foot traffic on their tiny little pin drop of a yeah. place compared to where all this immigration is happening like that far from the border that right. yeah that far from the border that's what opened my eyes to being like if they're seeing I mean, we found backpacks yesterday like mm-hmm. uh, some shirts, shirts and stuff yeah. they said they found shoes that had like rags or mops tied to the bottom of them to not leave mm-hmm. footprints it's like if you're seeing that 20 something miles from the border on a tiny pin drop of a place yeah it's an issue yeah Big issue yeah i mean my question is like how many you know immigrants are coming mm-hmm. in on a daily basis like this is my first time experience in this part of the country yeah. so i just had no idea yeah. well it's a concern here for sure i mean it's like always been like because where we live it's kind of like you see it a little bit but you it's kind of out of sight out of mind right mm-hmm. then you come here and you're like oh I, like this is a reality they could come walking in on me in the blind like because mm-hmm. they're probably every time we're in there there's probably some they're on this place yeah somewhere and like last year i was hunting here we came in ate lunch went back and there was a whole ton of like just footprints across the dirt patch where our blind was at really while we were eating lunch that were not there they were not there when we left so like a whole group came through you know um i remember them telling the story where they broke into their lodge here yeah cooked lunch yeah they they (laughs) like had a a probably a feast (laughs) yeah yeah and then stole one of their trucks and rammed the gate on the way out and, and rammed it backwards so backwards it bust the radiator um, so that's like okay wow. they know what they're doing and then <laughs> drove it to dallas no they shot found they the, found the truck found in the dallas. truck in dallas yeah yeah <laughs> crazy Th- those those guys that they've they've done that a time oh yeah well, it's not you, their first rodeo makes you think even where we're staying out here you know we're in the middle of nowhere like anywhere else i'm just you walk in shut the door behind you not worrying about locking it yeah. or anything but oh yeah it's like a thing i'm just like mm, i'm gonna deadbolt oh, yeah. that one I well think. miss robin she's in here she locks the door that's why it's locked half the time oh yeah. really when we're out hunting she's like yeah because you never know right what's gonna roll I mean, up i can't blame them if i had if i no. had gone through the hell that they've gone through and i yeah. stumble upon a lodge like this with food i'm asleep in the beds <laughs> you know i'm, a, I'm, I'm sleeping in myself the, at i'm home. sleeping in the ground blinds out there <laughs> yeah, if I come across, like, oh this is a nice chair <laughs> yeah it's coming some of that praline cake in there <laughs> yeah. you me after walking 20 miles yeah let's go but getting back to like the hunting side the the intense management that they have here kind of kind of what we left off with like mm-hmm deer running around and having to make a quick judgment call on, you know, is that a shooter? Is that not? That was kind of one of the challenges here was like identifying what deer it is in time Mm -hmm. to make a shot on that deer if he presents it to you because like the management is so intensive here. They're really only shooting seven seven years Mm -hmm. and older. Right. And if like, I mean, the first sit we had, you know, we had a shooter come in. He hung in the way, way back of this field. And then we had one of the bucks, El Gigante, come in. And it's like a, maybe like a five-year-old. Mm. Huge. Oh, that was just Gigante, not El Gigante. Or this right? was Gigante, yeah. 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 Huge <laughs> deer. mistaken. Yeah. Huge. And I'm sitting there with my jaw on the floor. <laughs> and it's like a five-year-old. And they're just, either like, yeah, no, not on the, not on the shoot list. Like, just watch him. And I'm sitting there like bug-eyed just watching this deer. And then... Here comes another buck that was like 170s. And that deer, I don't remember that one's name, but it was like a four-year-old 
or mm-hmm. so, it was a year younger than I think Gigante, or maybe the same age class. And I'm just sitting there, just like, holy smokes! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're growing huge deer here, and the management is so intensive. Like the last thing you want to do is shoot a buck yeah. that they're excited to watch you know get to seven years old mm-hmm. yeah it's like such a big deal to even be here mm-hmm. to hunt and have an invite that like the last thing you want to do is mess up their it's my nightmare management yeah. program <laughs> yeah. what they got going yeah, on it's my nightmare here because they take it so serious and they've invested their life to this place a lot of these guys live here this is like their life these mm-hmm. deer and so it's like i come in and i'm like i'm not going to be the guy mm-hmm that shoots your up and comer that you're excited about and have watched for five years. You yeah, know? I was going to say, and that's the crazy thing is that a five-year-old is still an up and comer here. Yeah. You know? Oh, five-year-old like, back home is getting the smoke. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Maybe a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a four-year-old. So not yeah. my world. It's like, I can tell you what a quote-unquote mature deer looks like, yeah. but the jump between let a gear, deer get to five and then let a deer get to seven is mm-hmm. like several tiers. And if, you know? if they regress at seven here, they let them go again. Just to hope they'll rebound. Yeah. Mm. Like Which they almost to, happened to you. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Levy about shot a coal that wasn't a coal yesterday. <laughs> I mean, so the, the El Gigante buck is a deer that was old when I first started hunting here. And he was a monster. And they just kept letting him go. And then um, last year he was seven. And... Uh, they he regressed a little and they let him go and then this year he kind of like messed his pedicles up i think and he just he looks like a giant coal buck like just oh you sent me the video it's yeah like, and he comes walking and i'm coal hunting because i killed yes like a trophy yesterday morning so yesterday evening i'm like i'm looking for coals and those he comes walking in i literally almost didn't even text him about him because i'm like that is the no book. yeah yes. he's old as dirt and he's terrible looking yeah like Got three points on one side and like a beam on the other with a fork on it. And I'm like, oh, Colbuck. I told Micah, get, get, we're going to smoke him. <laughs> and like, I was like, ah, I was like, Thomas. Just need to make sure. I yeah. text Thomas. I said, Colbuck, question mark. And he said, that's El Gigante. I was like, no, no, no. This messed up one in front of me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's El Gigante. Don't shoot him. We're, we're letting him go another year. And I, dude, I started sweating. I, like, <laughs> yeah. I almost didn't oh, ask. My. It, it, it almost like uh, I'm hunting a five-year-old back home and I've I've watched this deer since three and a half, and as a four and a half year old, he was one seventy, mm-hmm. and like everyone called me crazy back home. You know, Georgia buck that's one seventy four and a half. Like I was like I rolled the dice, and uh, hope he makes it, and he did make it. But everyone was calling me crazy, like dude, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And he made it again this year, so he's five and a half. I've been hunting this deer, you know, hard. And uh, he's just been dodging me. I mean, just, you know, it's the cat and mouse game. And uh, he uh, he put on mass, put on time length. He's definitely over 170s. I mean, he, he probably put on, you know, at least five to five to 10 inches probably from what he was last year. And like, I'm hunting this deer. I will continue to hunt this deer to the best of my ability. But I'm almost rooting for the deer mm-hmm. to make it because, like, I would love to see him at six and a half. And it's like coming down here and seeing how some of these bucks, like four, five, mm-hmm. six, they're still saying, like, nope, nope, not maturity, not maturity, not or not reach, reaching their full potential. Mm-hmm. It's but, not that they're not mature, correct, or anything. They're like they just yeah. have seen 
what letting a deer get to seven they, can they, do, and they yeah. have the ability to let them do that here. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's what is cool about here. And one of the reasons I think that this Golden Triangle is the Golden Triangle, it's all giant landowners that all have the exact same management program, like mm-hmm. George Strait. Like, I mean, everybody is managing their deer the same way, seven mm-hmm. Maybe six mm-hmm. in Texas. Like, that's kind of the standard, right? Yeah. But still, and these deer in the brush country, they don't have a lot of options, and they don't, like, the Midwest deer, you're talking, or in the Midwest or where I hunt, Pennsylvania, you're talking about, like, 300-acre track is a big track, mm-hmm. and then you got a 20 acres, a 70 acres, and everybody's hunting the same buck. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not the case he's on every here. single yeah. one of those properties. It's not, and so they don't have to necessarily worry. I mean, they lose some deer a year, but... Their worry is not the neighbor's going to shoot it, you know, because everyone's kind of on the same yeah, page. Yeah. But also, like you know, you can do a lot with seven thousand acres, a lot, and, and with the you know nutritional feed and all that stuff they have here. Like, why would they leave? Right, they right. got no reason to right. leave. No. Other than browse, mm-hmm. they yeah. you, you control the food in Texas, mm-hmm. which is cool to me. Which, uh, like, you know, we we walk out here and I see these like giant bales of essentially cotton. Mm-hmm but it's cotton seeds. Yeah. And I, I didn't even know that deer ate cotton seeds. You look at it and you're like, that's not something that an animal's putting in their body on purpose. Yeah, it looks they like they're eating cotton candy. Sit there and hammer it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're saying it's like 30-something percent protein. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we watched the deer come in and pound this cotton seed. And I was like, that's that was kind of my biggest, like, how are these deer growing so big? And, you know, I was expecting this area to be real big brown and just dusty just kind of barren looking and it's like green like mm-hmm. there's so much vegetation here that i think they have tons of natural brows they're getting this cotton seed it's like crazy amount of protein they also run protein feeders the supplemental feed side of things and it's just like you know these deer have everything they need mm-hmm. to get huge they have those native texas genetics they're getting plenty of nutrition and they're letting them have the age right and you're just seeing something happen here that the rest of the world like it, it just doesn't happen it's mm-hmm, such yeah. a foreign almost experience to be down here and to have yeah. experience it for a few days yeah, that's the contrast another contrast with the midwest and why you know you do have to worry about he might move three properties over mm-hmm. late season or like oh they cut the corn on mine mm-hmm. and then Two weeks later, they had standing food, you know, half mile away, and every deer ended up over there. Yeah. And here, it's like they got it every every you know few hundred yards. They know they can go eat here. Yeah. They can go eat here. They can go eat here. They've got cover everywhere. They got water tanks. They got everything. Versus at home, you're like, mm, I think the acorns are dropping on. They got white oaks dropping up here, and right. then uh, you know, the next food is this standing corn over right. here. It's like. No, just 360 degrees, they've got it. Yeah. And it's like back home, you know, so so Cody, who's uh, obviously a friend of mine, but he's also my camera guy this week, he's filmed with Lee and Tiffany. And, you know, back home, it's like if I see a 115-inch deer co- cruise through, hit a scrape, I'm like freaking awesome hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. crazy awesome hunt. 100%. And so, you know, I'm coming down here, it's like you're seeing – it. It's not a question of if you're going to see a big buck. Mm-hmm. You're going to. Mm-hmm. It's just if you're going to see one of their hit listers. Right, yeah. And then can you, and then, you know, being able to get a, a clean shot on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I mean, it's just, you know, 50 deer in a field. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Cody, 
have you ever experienced anything like this before? Because, you know, he's filmed with Liam Tiff. He's kind of gone to a bunch of different places. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, in Iowa, you know, in, in Lee and Tiffany's food plots, there'll be, I think he said one time there was like 100 deer. Probably mm-hmm. late season when they're all pounding it. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's nothing to see like 40, 50 deer. And several Boone and Crockett. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. what he's telling me. Like You'll several big deer. seven deer over 150 yeah. in front of you. Yeah. And that's yeah. another management deal. That's a great management example, yeah. Yeah, but like there's there's like only a handful, in my opinion, like three or four, just like I was one of those for what like white tail meccas mm-hmm. the golden triangle is one of those white tail meccas parts of kansas it's just like there's just a couple places that have the genetics and it's in the dirt uh-huh. the management you know like everything comes together to create that like almost unbelievable opportunity for white tail just to flourish and grow giant mm-hmm. does this extend down into mexico i like- don't know I've never known think, Mexico to be have giants, but it's close enough. I it think should. there's a few places down there you see. I just know from Instagram pages and stuff like that. You're like, oh, this place is in Mexico, and they're posting huge. And deal. I don't know; those could be more of a high fence setup or yeah. something like that down there. Yeah. But I don't know. You I, would imagine it's got to. We're right here. Yeah, right? but and I guess I, you know, I don't know. Dude. I, I like I said, I just had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, you know, after the first set and seeing these deer and we're seeing trail cam pictures, I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. We should, we should get it done. Mm-hmm. Three days go by and I shot a javelina and I shot a doe mm-hmm. and I was super pumped. Like I was totally content, ready to go home. Like I was just, just to experience this place was enough. Yeah. Shoot a javelina. Never even seen a javelina before in my life. Yeah. And to shoot one was cool. Shoot a doe. I love shooting does. And then it's like, we kind of got this story with Ace going on and it's like, you know, I think three or four days and then I was like, we got to extend the flight to get one more morning set and actually had it happen this morning. But like I was, I was about to leave here without, without even oh, yeah. killing a buck, which mm-hmm. again, like wouldn't have mattered to me either way. Like I'm obviously super pumped to have taken one, but I was as content to leave with just yeah. having experienced this place. Yeah. My point in saying that is it's not like you just waltz in first set, here he comes, right. boom, it's dead. It's like, you know, I think that that's probably what people could say is like, oh, that's not hunting, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, and the other. But like, I have always tried to be very um, just like open-minded about kind of any, st- like I want to experience a lot of styles of mm-hmm. hunting. I've I've got our style, which is the suburban door knocking stuff. But like, you know, I... I want to be able to speak to other styles of hunting and experience a lot of different things. And every, every style has its own sense of challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, ex- I didn't think that the, you know, I didn't know what to expect as far as the challenge here, yeah. but it's like, you know, there was a couple times there was one set where I had a shooter out there and there's so many does like in the way, mm-hmm. couldn't even get a shot on the deer right. because it's just like, you know, you may hit the deer in front, you may hit the deer in back. And, uh, yeah, almost, almost left here after three or four days of hunting without filling a buck tag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've gotten to the last day here several times, like mm-hmm. last sit, like it ain't going to happen. You know, one year there was four of us here. None of us had killed on the, and it was the last evening of the last day. You know, I mean, it, it just because they're here and you see them like, like Derek was talking about earlier, you have a window it's so thick here. Like it's not like you're sitting in a tree stand on an oak ridge and 
there's five shooting lanes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, he's got to come here and be broadside for this to happen. And, and then there can't be a doe in the way, can't be anything behind him, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it can be, and I literally went two days and got skunked here. Didn't see a deer. You didn't see a single whitetail. And the boneyard where you killed this morning. Really? Yeah, not a single whitetail. That is so crazy. Me and Mike were talking about it yesterday. Like, yeah. remember that? Like, I never thought that was possible. Crazy that that's possible. It is yeah. wild, you know. I would... What are you guys Go ahead. No, I'm going to... Go ahead. I got something that I want to ask. Ask, ask, ask what? Uh, it's a little bit of a tangent, so... Go ahead. Um, It was just going on Um, what we talked about earlier. You kind of got to be careful coming to a place like this and obviously experiencing the way people hunt in different parts of the country and it being super cool but you also have to i'm going to try to leave here and not let it like ruin my expectation of what deer hunting is like (laughs) yeah because again go back home or go anywhere and like 150 inch deer is a very big deer you know or Mm -hmm. we had a conversation in the office last week because i had an iowa tag this year and again, as we've been talking about Iowa and you're like, oh, it's land of the giants. There's 160 behind every tree. And you go down there and I've hunted 15 days in Iowa so far and I haven't killed one yet. Mm-hmm. And not that I haven't seen shooters, but I also haven't seen more than three or four deer north of 150 that are also mature. You know, mm-hmm. they've got stud four-year-olds and stuff like that. But I was showing... Um, one of the guys at the office, you know, picture this buck that I was kind of trying to kill. And I was like, I said it kind of like half-heartedly, like, oh yeah, he's probably 150, you know, like casually. Mm-hmm. And I always said, um, like over the years, like if I ever get to the point where I am voluntarily passing mature 150s, someone needs to kick me in the nuts because yeah, that's yeah. not who I am, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> um, and then you have a couple experiences like that and you're like letting deer walk past you. And you're like, oh, I don't know how big he is, but. I think over the last five years, like our space and even just through social media and whatever, people get desensitized to what a, like killing a mature deer and the expectation of, well, if you're not killing a 160, you're not, you're not right. a bow hunter, you know, mm-hmm. like you're not worth anything. I, I, and have, I think it's, I just think it's interesting. I'm curious what your take on that kind of whole thing is because as we were saying it's like a mature 150 inch deer is a very like that's such a small percentage of the deer that are out there in the wild walking around Mm -hmm. like so few of them get to that yeah i kind of backing up to the first part of what you said like sitting in these blinds and seeing all these big deer i almost had to like flip a switch in my head to be like this isn't real Mm -hmm. like don't don't get spoiled by this because when you go back home it's not going to be like this, right? You know? yeah. so right. It's like it's almost like you had to compartmentalize it. it this is just a very unique, like, and brief experience mm-hmm. to not let it sort of affect when you go back home and you see a one 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 fifteen come through and hit a scrape, and still let that be an awesome hunt. Like mm-hmm. I, I could see how if you hunted here, you're all the time, all the time, all the time, how it would potentially ruin going to other places yeah you know, yeah, yeah your expectations but <laughs> kind of to your point of like uh you know the way social media has just like given those expectations really false expectations for you know your average joe hunter out there you know what we're doing personally like with the suburban stuff and like the journeys of trying to find a unique deer which a unique deer in some of these suburban places like what makes them unique is how big they are Mm -hmm. we like going down those journeys of you know chasing the biggest deer we can find 
And we're super blessed and fortunate that we get to do this every day. First and foremost, that is not achieve that that is not like no no average joe can do that like right we are and i always like i have tried to make this really really important as one of the messages that we portray and i really started started doing it last year because you know i always try to pay attention to feedback and i, I try to have open-minded conversations and get criticism i love i love constructive mm-hmm. criticism mm-hmm. and a, a couple points were like well, you're giving an uh, unrealistic expectation for a 12-year-old that's watching your hunting show that they're going to go out and kill a deer of this size. And so, I, I mean, I took that to heart. And like last year when I shot the upside-down buck in Ohio, I vividly remember saying like, you know, we cut out so much footage and we only put together like kind of the golden nuggets mm-hmm. that, that make the episode. And one of the things like I wanted to make sure that we left in there and it's probably a, a, a minute and a half full talking piece where I'm just like, we get to do this full time. What we're doing is not realistic to your average Joe guy. Now, anybody could have door knocked in this area, gotten the same yes and had a chance at that deer, but to do that over and over, mm-hmm. like do not let, do not watch us and have this expectation that this is going to go out, that you're going to go out and this is going to happen to you. And also I was like, do not let the size of the deer like give you a level of satisfaction determine the level of satisfaction to your hunt and it's like you know if the biggest deer you have where you're hunting is 110 inches Mm -hmm. like there should be no less satisfaction or sense of achievement of having tracked that animal down if you cross paths with it and successfully take that deer there should be no less sense of accomplishment than if it was a some you know a 150 in some other place mm-hmm. like you know i i try to preach like do not let the size of the deer determine like how much that hunt means to you right so that is something that like you know we do have to like you know sort of take into account when you show a place like this because mm-hmm. it's like you know <laughs> it's i think it's really cool to share these experiences because like you know we do hunting content for a living and like you know i kind of one kind of one of my missions like hey i want to bring you guys along for my first time ever experiencing it so that you guys can kind of experience it too but yeah it's like don't but don't take this to heart as in like this should be what you get excited about back home because you saw it on youtube or whatever yeah i think there's a couple you know to me it's like there's a couple different moving parts to that i think like i just look back as me as a kid when i started hunting and it was any legal buck or any if it was doe day that was my favorite day to go because like, we had doe days like South Carolina or North Carolina. There was only sp- specific days you could shoot does. And that was my, I didn't want to hardly hunt if it was buck only because we didn't <laughs> see any. Right. So it was like, I remember that so vividly, but then like you change, I think like if you hunt your whole life, like the way you hunt kind of changes and like you get a little smarter and then you start hunting better places and then a lot of that stuff for me, even to this day, is very location specific. Like if I go hunt a place like at home in PA, like my most mature biggest deer on my farm some years might be 125 inches. And I am as hell bent on figuring him out and killing him as I am any other deer, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Nebraska and it's not a big buck place that we have. It's just a fun place to go bow hunt, different, you know. But then you come here and you might be hunting a mega. 
you know, or you might find one if you draw an Iowa tag or my place in Southern Ohio, it's more of a mega type area. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's like I've changed a little bit and over and like even in my early 20s, like 120 inch deer comes in, I am shaking and can't breathe. And like one of the first videos me and my wife, Samantha, ever filmed together, I shot a doe in Mills River, North Carolina on film. I looked like Stan Potts. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I freaked out, you know? And like, it's kind of sad to some point that, you know, now I just, I enjoy shooting does, but it's not that same innocent, like, mm-hmm unbelievable high yeah as when i was like a teenager or 20 killing a deer with my bow so like i'm i would give anything to feel that again to feel that again over a doe mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i'm saying because and i think it's the coolest purest form of bow hunting is that excitement over harvesting an animal no matter the size of it yeah. you know and i think once you do it for 30 years it's still fun but that high isn't as high, you know. I don't think you can ever repeat that first deer, first no. butt, like buck yeah. or first deer, you know, doe, whatever feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, and I think it's unrealistic to like think you'll ever maybe feel that way again. Right, like it's, yeah. it's, there's nothing like those early days, Mm-mm. you know, uh, because once you do kind of hit your stride and the repetition of it all, like you get better at the craft. Yeah. And it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to not lose a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. like just that deep, pure sense of like joy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and, but not to say that like that ever goes away. Like I, right, the doe that I killed, Mm -hmm. the javelina, I was pretty cool. Uh, the doe, dude, I was shaking yeah <laughs> because i'm like i'm ranging she keeps moving it's getting dark like or uh she keeps moving i'm ranging and i'm like you know th- there's just like a lot of hectic and i'm like sitting there moving my my dial on my pen and on, and I'm, I'm like realizing in my head i'm like i'm shaking right now <laughs> and i was super pumped to shoot that doe yeah for sure i think it's when your flip switches no matter what animal it is again you might like you said earlier the biggest deer in your area is a you know, 110 and you're like, that's the deer I want to kill. And it's when you're in that moment and it's like, you've made that decision of like, I'm going to try to kill this deer. Mm. Your body's just, it yeah. knows, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. If you and go you, into kill mode. Yeah, yeah. You go into kill mode and then you, when that arrow goes and you just, your hands are sitting there and you can't stay yeah. still, you know? Yeah. I definitely, you know, I don't want people to think, cause I don't either like look down or think like, cause that was my favorite memories of hunting with, with my dad shooting a four corn on a legal buck in game lands of South Carolina or something, you know, like call mm-hmm. them on the two way radio. I got what? Yeah. Just yeah. freaking out, you yeah. know, yeah. over a, over a four point or something. So like I had as much fun or more fun then. And now I'm very blessed and we all are to get to go to special places and, you know, shoot and hunt really cool animals yeah. mm-hmm. that I never dreamed I would that's, do as a kid. Yeah, you know? that's what's special is like both, like two things can be true at the same time, you yep. know? Like on one hand, it can be true that there's a ton of gratification that you get from trying to hunt a really old mature deer and like you pour that in and like that's your goal. Mm-hmm. And on the same, the flip side of, you know, the coin, 
some of the most special things about bow hunting in the outdoors can be a completely different goal. And it's like, I like spending time with my family and gun season opens every year and we all get together and we go shoot a couple does and a, and a forker and we have a yeah. great time, you know. It's almost nice to hit the reset button, yeah. you know, after like coming to a place <laughs> like this or something like that. Like it's, it's yeah. kind of nice to hit the reset button. Like one of my favorite hunts uh, last year was when we went to PA, you know, like big woods mm-hmm. and on the, I mean, I don't even know how big the public was. It was well over a hundred thousand acres, yeah. just huge woods. And it's like, we're running around, you know, being a part of the orange army to Deer chase drive. down a, a 90 inch buck. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was like, that's where I lo- loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> loved every that second. Was, that of was it. the neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Well, me and Derek may or may not be taking suppressed high powers out tonight to fill doe tags. I know. Leave, so. <laughs> and we're going to have the time of our lives. <laughs> I almost know? feel like leaving a place like this, we need to go to, yeah, somewhere like, Come you know, come to my place. PA and <laughs> just go whack like a 40 inch buck uh-huh. or something. So. We've got a, up by us a place that it's actually a military base. Um, but then they're in different places in the country, but they have a separate tagging system and it's all united out. And we always joke about like, oh yeah, that's a shooter out there for sure. Oh yeah. And it's fun to be able to like, okay, I'm not going to hunt my farm tonight. I'm going to go over here and my standards are a little bit different for what success looks like. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what's going to come around the corner. I have no cameras out here. You know, it's <laughs> just like just exhilarating. Have, just have fun with it. Like that's, that is really, as if you want to just get down to the the nitty gritty or just the most simple level of it, it's just have fun with it. Like mm-hmm. if you're not having fun doing it, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that is, uh, I saw some video on Instagram and it was just a reel that I guess started going viral. And it was this guy. He's like, I just shot my first buck. And he's like shaking. He's like, I'm crying. I don't even know why. And he pans <laughs> over and it's, you know, this little eight pointer. And like, I left a comment. It was like, man, th- th- like this right here, like yeah. is what it, it, what it's about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so like, that's just what it boils down to is like, and I, and I've, I have always said this and I will stand by this is that hunting means more to me than having sort of this dream job of doing mm-hmm. it for a living. I would walk away from seek one at the drop of a hat if it made hunting not fun or not my passion. Like if I lost the passion and I wasn't loving it, and I wasn't enjoying doing it, I would quit the filming stuff. I would walk away from all of it because to me, like my passion and love for hunting means more. 100%. Than having making a living from you know being in this industry like i'll go back to you know doing whatever just you know find another job and and go back to hunting and loving hunting but Mm -hmm. there's a definitely a sense of balance you got to have there of um you know not ruining a passion because it is your you know quote unquote job now Mm -hmm. you know we didn't really like jump into this hunting thing like we 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 did a video for fun and it just kind of got momentum and sort of snowballed from there is how we got started we didn't really you know do it with the intention of like we want to have a show we want it it was just like just kind of fell into it in a yeah. sense but um i'm probably gonna miss my flight yeah, <laughs> I, really looking at the, yeah. yeah I gotta close. go so but what i wanted to start off the episode with and and we'll have to do this again because we could literally talk for at least another hour mm-hmm. right uh was two things one Derek, I was going to, this is a story I haven't even really told yet. And it was to compliment Matthews. Hmm. Uh, when Go I was on. in, when I was in, <laughs> yeah, this will tickle, tickle your fancy. <laughs> when I was in uh, Tennessee, 
I was it was with a phase four and uh this is like my first you know hunting journeys with the matthews drop the bow cody's yeah we're almost done i promise <laughs> cody's like hey we gotta go <laughs> i dropped my bow from probably 30 foot up in a tree and smashed it on the ground i mean just like 30 foot free fall boom smacked on the ground picked it up went home shot it shot perfect yeah literally did nothing to the bow that's awesome i haven't told that story and i was yeah. like well I'm, I'm sitting with with you i might as well yeah get that out there it's the confidence builder it's yeah we yeah it was, it was cool i was like you know if i'm looking to sort of field test it how about drop yeah. it 30 feet i let's see what happens. i had a year where i did it twice because i have this bad habit of if i'm shooting you know slow sit there's a squirrel there or oh here comes a raccoon i'll never not be like grabbing my bad arrow out of my quiver <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and uh but i always use it as this ex- this chance to like okay well if you're gonna shoot this thing make just a perfect shot yeah mm-hmm. and i had two times in the same season where i shot and just had such a relaxed grip that my bow just dunk, <laughs> just <laughs> i shot it right out the front of my hand and so it's like dead squirrel on the ground over there and bow and at the bow base of my ground. tree but you know pick shot, it up and shoot it and it's fine i shot an armadillo recently and the same thing i was like all right let's put a let's put a good shot on this thing like mm-hmm. you know we're gonna tuck it right in into his vitals yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like just an armadillo but, <laughs> right um levi i had the there was two things and i'll I'll keep it brief my my first question i was going to ask you because i always like to ask nonsense questions i I think y'all i have figured that out about me pretty quick (laughs) no kidding (laughs) this week has probably been y'all at the end of this week you're probably like i don't want to talk to that guy again i I did quit texting you that first (laughs) yeah Yeah, i don't know what's real (laughs) we're in a group text and i was just yanking their chain the whole time um my first question was going to be, would you rather take a bare-fisted Mike Tyson punch to the face, as he is now, or would you, and again, or would you rather have Tiger Woods take a driver to your shin, where you hit, hit with the club head, not hitting a golf ball, just driver to the shin, as Tiger Woods is now? Derek gave me his answer, his initial answer. He's since changed it, but I'm mm-hmm. going to hold you to your first answer. Sure. Yeah. I still think I'm sticking to the now Mike Tyson punch to the face. Even though I, I know he's going to crush my respect, face. You're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it with just, all due respect. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's going to knock me out cold. It's going to potentially kill you. Could kill me, but then I'm not going to know. <laughs> I, I'm going to be perfectly conscious when I get broke off at the shins with a driver. But you'll live. I will live, yeah. <laughs> I think a barefisted yeah. Mike Tyson, like if he uppercuts you, you're, you're literally your head could just come off your spine. You're, you're just, definitely just out cold. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to have a concussion at the very least. Severe brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I would, f- yeah. Derek, that, Derek that was my first, answer. yeah, that was my first gut response was like, oh, I'll take Mike Tyson. Well, you think sure. about your shins and a driver, Oh, you think about horrible. a 130 mile an hour yeah. swing. Mm-hmm. To the bone of your shin, right? Snapping it off, but you're alive. Even if he knocks your leg off your body and it's just dangling out in the woods, let's be honest. There's no good answer. No, no, no. The good answer is Tiger Woods hitting your shin. If yep. you live, dude, you ever kick one hundred table? Yes, but <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I understand. A coffee table, and I want to cry. You, you know? ever, you ever, you ever been in a fist fight? Uh, one, and it wasn't that pretty. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, now imagine Mike Tyson now. <laughs> Yeah, and you can't block it. You can't. No, yeah, you just, no, you just have to take it. That's the scary face. part. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to definitely, I mean, you're getting jacked right. up. Like the first, there's the no first fight. Good. Yeah. No, there's no, like, 
methods of avoidance. Like no. if in a normal fist fight, you're at least semi protecting yourself. Yeah. The yeah. first time I ever got punched in the face was in fifth grade on the school bus on the way to school in the morning. <laughs> I got a detention for it, but I did jump over the back seat and whip this guy's ass. He was in seventh grade. I was in fifth grade. I'm really proud of that. I expect nothing less. <laughs> oh, man. But my point in saying that is getting punched in the face is not fun. No, it's not. Even from a seventh grader. Fact. So now imagine Mike Tyson. It's just. Yeah. Granted. I mean, I could change my mind last minute. I, I would say, here's what I would say. If they were both in the room and I picked Mike Tyson, here's what I can imagine myself doing. He stands up and he squares off and he's getting ready to punch me in the face. I feel like I'd probably change my mind and say, okay, smack me in the shit with the driver. Go get, the, go yeah, get yeah. the driver. Yeah. I think now I feel maybe a little tougher than I probably would be in that moment. Probably. It's amazing to me how many people will say Mike Tyson. Yeah. And I'm just like, anyways. It's your shins. I this think is, it would also my... change it. Imagine if you were blindfolded in both of those scenarios, you don't know which one's coming. Maybe I'd rather take the punch to the face. Like you're blindfolded, you can't see Mike, or you're about to get hit in the shin, you can't see Tiger. Right when you get hit, what's going to hurt worse? Tiger. Yeah, you're going to be conscious the whole time. Yeah. That's going to make what's going to make it definitely suck. Definitely for sure. The but, visual of Tyson mm-hmm. swinging at your face. That's worse than is the punch. Scary. But yeah. the driver, you'll live to tell the tale. Yeah. All right. So we'll end this. I've got one more thing, and then I, and then I really got to go. This week has been literally me just pranking you messing with you like just being literally just like a probably like the most annoying little <laughs> kid ever just like nagging y'all about like but i've got you right where i want you yes i know i had no idea what the truth is <laughs> always got to keep people on their toes and keep them guessing i've got you right where i want you yeah, i figured it out the first i'm time. gonna prove it right now okay i'm gonna ask you a question okay oh, it's a trick question okay but you have to answer it quickly you can't like sit there and like okay. you know analyze it you're, okay. you have like a very quick you just have to answer. Okay. But I'm letting you know it's a trick question. Okay. 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 Spell silk three times. S-I-L-K. Okay. S-I-L-K. S-I-L-K. All right. Say silk three times fast. Silk, silk, silk. What do cows drink? Milk. <laughs> Prove my point. Got him. Prove my point. So. Oh, weird. my God. <laughs> they, they don't drink, drink milk. They sure drink don't. Water. They drink water. Calf string milk. No, but cows <laughs> drink <laughs> wasn't the question. Water. Good, hey, you got me, dude. I have you, uh, hence proven. Wow, got you. Right what are you right like, right a hypnotist? Kinda. I think so. <laughs> I'm not gonna text you. We'll anymore. have to do another podcast where we can talk more. But I gotta run. Appreciate yep. y'all tuning. In. It's like a mini, little mini podcast. But yeah. I just wanted to end letting you know I've got you right where I want you. Yeah, he's got me. He does. All right, yeah. See y'all. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs>